Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. When you're strapped for cash, should you find an investor to help out? Or should you give up your precious shares and swallow your pride and even get a job on the side to keep things running? Well, that's what our caller's question is today, and I've got the answer. And stay tuned for a new batch of rapid-fire questions. Listen in. Hi, Barbara. My name is Helen, and I'm calling in from Charlotte, North Carolina. And the question that I have for you today is um, I recently, or about a year and a half ago, started my own clothing rental service in my city of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, And I quit my full-time job back in April to, you know, pursue the business full-time. It's growing. Um, You know, I've validated the business model. I have a bunch of returning customers, and all that is great. Um, But it's a fairly capital-intensive business, um, and I had some savings set aside, and it's been all self-funded thus far. Um, But, you know, some advisors and mentors that I've had have have recommended that I raise an angel round of funding right now. I kind of just want to get another part-time job to cover my life expenses because that's what I would really need the money for. So I guess my question is whether to go for angel investors um, to cover, you know, life expenses or to get a part-time job to cover that and then focus, you know, on growing the business the rest of my time. So, um, yeah, I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Bye. What kind of clothing do you rent? I just have a few curiosity questions first, then we'll get to the meat of the issue. Yes. So, um, it's, I kind of say like weekend to wedding guest for women ages like 22 to 40. Um, and that's a rough age range, like anyone can rent from us. Um, but that's like our typical customer demographic. So think like a little more casual than like a rent the runway. I see. And people use it, uh, use the services if they're going somewhere special or they're just renting clothing and wear every day, Monday through Friday. Um, both, uh, our most common, we have like a little survey that we do after people order. And the most common reason for renting is like, um, weekend plans. So whether it's a weekend trip or a bachelorette party, um, a concert. So it's a little more casual than like a really special event. Um, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So like it's, there's not a lot of fancy things happening here. Um, at least for my customer demographic. So it is more for like, you know, every day, but like on the more special occasion side of that, if that makes sense. It makes very good sense. I can see why your business is prospering. What would you charge for a rental outfit for the weekend? Say I'm going away and I need two pretty things to wear and I don't want to go out shopping. Yeah. Do you come into your store and choose it or they choose it online? Yes. Yeah, so when I first launched it, I was running it out of my house. So it was all online. Um, it was like kind of a unique business model. Um, where people could order online through our website and then we would deliver it to them locally here in Charlotte. Um, you actually delivered, right? I did most of them at the beginning and then I hired people. Um, and I did that because I wanted it to be like super, super convenient. You don't have to wait for shipping or deal with UPS to return. Um, so initially it was just online. And then recently in the past like month and a half, we opened this warehouse where I am right now or showroom, I guess. And it's like a destination retail space. So like we don't get a lot of foot traffic but people can come here and try things on in person. Um, so you can do either. And you said you do or you don't get a lot of foot traffic? 
Um, we get a good amount of people who come in, but it's all people who like have known about us already through social media. Like we're kind of um, in an area that doesn't get a ton of foot traffic. Like the like the rent's super affordable, and you know it allowed me to move it out of my house at a pretty low cost while still offering. Are it. you finding that your traffic is increasing as time goes on? That more and more people who have purchased from you before are coming, and they prefer to see it in person. Um, it's pretty split. I think since opening this space, we've mostly just got a lot of new customers who were interested in the idea or were interested in the concept of renting clothes, but never wanted to because they, um, you know, weren't sure about it fitting, wanted to try it on beforehand. And then our customers who were ordering online, like kind of our early customers are continuing to order online for the delivery because they really like the convenience of that. So it's really just allowed us to buy to like a new customer segment by opening the good motor loop. Certainly well thought out. And I think the rhythm with which you did it, the online first and then open the little showroom. Secondly, I think it was a great idea. Do you have other people working there with you? I do. I have one employee. Um, she's still part-time, but um, you know, like pretty regularly part-time and she's kind of like my right-hand person now. And we have very complimentary skill sets, which has been really good. Mm. Uh, and then I've had like a couple of college interns kind of like come in and out for different projects or things we've been working on and by design in other words you're working on things and hire them for that particular project yeah yeah or like kind of seasonal like when we're you know we're busiest kind of in like the spring and then the fall winter um like around holidays so I'll, I'll usually get you know part-time hourly help if you were to go the route of going and getting a part-time job now to help fund your business which you alluded to um who would replace you at the shop yeah. So since I left that voicemail, I actually did go and get a part-time job. Um, so you don't waste any time. My gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, well, cause like when I first started my business, I funded it all with savings and then like money for my salary. And I racked up a little bit of credit card debt and I was able to pay that off before I quit my full-time job, but I was like, I don't want to go back into credit card debt. So it's going to make this work. So I, um, I started working part-time actually at a local coffee shop. Um, and I've actually learned a lot about like operations and at all yeah, yeah. Um, through that job but that's just in the mornings and then I come here we don't open we have like pretty limited hours because it's just a showroom so we're only open um in the afternoon so right now I'm just working pretty much all day and not sleeping a lot but well Helen I have no doubt at all you're going to be enormously successful uh, you. because you have the work ethic of every great entrepreneur I know and there's not many people that are willing to leave their job once they start working on their dream and say, hey, I need the more money. I, what am I going to do? Most people turn to family and friends or rich uncle, whatever. Can you lend me money? And it's never the right move. The move that you made, which was to get a part-time job to help fund it and to do it around the hours you need to be in your job, your, your, your business, I should say, um, good for you. I mean, it's amazing. I remember when um, I had probably at that at a juncture along the way, I hit a terrible hard time. Mm -hmm. And I think I had six, 700 people working for me, managers, salespeople, successful business by anyone's standard in the writing I knew was on the wall. If I didn't change something, we're going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. I didn't share it with anyone, but I took a full-time job and left my business just to help support it for, I guess, nine months. And then the market changed around. I was able to leave that job and go back to my real my real business but you know that saved my business and that attitude or work ethic uh was what always got me through that you learned this how you've been in business what only a year and a half i think right yeah a year and a half. so already jumping out and uh and playing rescue or or i shouldn't even say rescue it's it's like a high intelligence to know what, what's needed 
Uh, can I ask you how much money you spent on your business from the beginning to, to where it sits right now? Or yeah. How much money you've lost or invested, however you want to put it. Yeah. So I think um, up front, I think I spent like $15,000 just like before I launched it. And then overall, I think like $45,000 I've spent on it. Um, and then like our revenue to date is around $80,000. So bottom line, are you ahead or behind? Behind. Behind. Okay. And, but is your revenue growing? It is growing. And like, since we opened the space, it's doubled. And like we last year, last year, we were still kind of getting off the ground, but like the fall and the winter was really big for us last year. So um, I think that it's going to like ramp up and the summer was just a little bit slower. Um, so I'm, you know, kind of planning and, and doing all the things to, you know, ensure that that happens. Um, and then as that revenue grows, I'll be able to come back and pay myself, you know, a little more and enough to cover all my I think a good way to look at uh, revenue, uh, which a lot of people focus on increase in sales and expenses is as a race, or I always looked at it this way. You got the money coming yeah. in and then you got the money going out. Who's winning? Yeah. Uh, do you have, uh, so let's say your sales have doubled. How, how much have they increased in the last six months since you've opened your showroom? Let me ask yeah. you that. Yeah. So before we opened the showroom, we were only doing like three, $4,000 a month um, in revenue. And now we're like, getting close to doing around 10,000 a month. That's an enormous difference. What was your overhead? Um, overhead was really just like what I was spending on our like website service, um, which was like a couple hundred a month. And then um, whenever I would buy new inventory, which kind of varied month to month anywhere, like, you know, probably like $500 a month on that. Oh. Uh, maybe a thousand. Um, it just kind of depended on the month. Um, and then uh, a little bit of part-time labor. Cause I, even when I had my full-time job, I had part-time employees just to cover when I had to work. Um, what's happening then, overhead since you, since you've been making $10,000 a month instead of the three to four, what's been happening in the overhead? Yeah. So the only thing I guess that increased was like, now we have to pay rent. Um, but our rent is like pretty cheap. Um, it's like $1,200 a month. So, um, I mean, it's, but you still it's, I guess a lot for me, but like, you know, not a, not a crazy amount for where I live. It's hard to review a lot of numbers, uh, just talking them without seeing yeah. them, paper for, even for the listeners who want to listen. But uh, yeah. I'm just going to repeat back to you to make sure I'm listening. Right? Mm -hmm. When you started, you were doing three to four thousand dollars a month. Your overhead was about thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. Then you opened your showroom and you started doing, I guess not immediately, but sooner or later, you started doing ten thousand dollars a month. But mm -hmm. your overhead was only twelve hundred dollars a month with the showroom. I feel like something's missing, like the cost of inventory. No. Sorry, um, sorry, like the additional overhead. So, and then our inventory cost has gone up a little as we've been ad adding more. And then um, like the main, like now I have to, you know, pay people to be in here. So labor has gone up a little bit, um, but it's kind of like before I, before I went back to get this part-time job, I was doing like a ton of it myself. So I've just paid other people instead of paying myself. So um, that's an expense. And then like, I'll do random, like marketing type photo like I always have some type of like marketing expense every month that I do for like marketing and events um you still owe how much money right now excuse me you still owe how much money right now I'd say like on average we're losing like um or each month I we like before I pay myself we are breaking even and I'm doing like a couple hundred maybe like a thousand dollars in profit but not enough to pay myself enough to cover like my personal expenses you're missing one thing as a business person that would be very helpful to you and i started going down that path to say you need to think of your overhead and your sales as a race is on 
Okay. okay. Who's going to win? All right. Yeah. Uh, you're very clear as to what your sales are, right? To the dollar. Yeah. Vague on uh, reviewing different kinds of expenses, da, 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 like you add on yeah. other stuff. I think it's so important for an entrepreneur, and I did it from the day I started to the day I had a huge business and sold it. I always knew exactly, exactly that month what my overhead was, and I knew exactly, exactly what my sales were that month. Okay. Measured once against the other every single month, every mm -hmm. single month to make sure my sales were winning the race, so to speak. Yeah. I think you have to sit down and really have a clear, clean understanding of what your exact overhead is by the month and what okay. your sales exactly was. Because adding people, spending a little bit on a promotion or a website, it all adds up. And before you know it, you're working for three years and you haven't quite made a profit yet. You know, yeah. I think it keeps you on the straight and narrow as to understanding what's the most important thing in business, sales versus overhead. Yeah. You know? Uh, so could you do that easily for yourself? Yeah. And I think I, like, I, I've been doing that, but I think like, I, it's not the thing that I love the most. <laughs> um, so, but I think like what, what I struggle with is like some of the overhead, it, like it's always kind of changing. And like, if I order inventory, sometimes it'll, you know, ship in one month and charge my credit card when I'm not expecting it. And like that sort of thing. But I think just like getting better at preparing for those can help me manage my cash flow a little bit better. I think uh, you probably know uh, what a shopping list looks like. You know, when those sheets that you put on your refrigerator, they usually have a magnet. Yeah. Um, I think you just need uh, two pads on your desk. Okay. Every time you order something, if it's in that month, okay, mm -hmm. so now we're, in, we're, we're about to start September. Start mm -hmm. September 1. If it's in that month, just jot it down, that number, uh, new clothing, mm -hmm. new phone, uh, hired this person for three hours, yeah. put the actual amount on that pad and the other side every time you have a sale or you probably have a way of account for sales but for the month know what your sales are and compare those numbers i think you've got to be on top of your overhead if you're going to be successful in business okay yeah you have to be it's like these abcs of running a business and it will allow you to be a realist every inch along the way you know yeah. No, you I agree. have the energy to build a very, very good business. And eventually you'll hire somebody who do all that for you. Yeah. You might be able to hire someone part-time now, but as a business owner, no matter who's working for you, no matter how talented they are, there's one thing you must always have your hand on, which is what's my overhead and what's my sales? Because then yeah. you can cut and bob and weave in time before you know you really had to, whoa, how to lose that money? Or whoa, how'd I get here? Or Mike, I'm, I didn't expect that bill. You know, you'll be ahead of it because of your simple pad methodology. I ran my business on one pad with a line down the middle for my entire life. And no matter how many accountants and business partners I had who were much more financial savvy than I was, I always knew the bottom line, so to speak, of where we yeah. stood, you know? And that's yeah. your job as a sea captain, right? Yeah. You got to bring a boat, right? Yeah. 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 No, I think that I, that's definitely something that I get like anxiety over looking at. And I've, I've, I think I've gotten better. Um, I try and look at it like every other day, but it write it on the pad the minute you spend the money or commit okay. to the money. The the anxiety comes from not knowing. Yeah, it's I agree. Not, it's not good. Even if you have bad news on your page that oh God, we're gonna have a loss, a bigger loss than I expected. It's better than not knowing. Yeah, far better than not knowing because you can do something about it. No, I agree. That's good advice. Well, I wish you very uh, tremendous luck with your business. You're not gonna need it. Please keep that part time job. You're okay. so smart to have that part time job. Okay, I will. Okay, I love you.
Thank you. Thank you so much, Barbara. Have a good day. Bye. It's Barbara. Just call her. It's Barbara. Hello, this is Barbara. Hey, Barbara. It's Jeff from California. Love your podcast. Got a question. What do you do when you have multiple job offers? You pick one of those job offers, but the other jobs that you didn't pick, you don't want to really burn the bridge. So how can you say no to them but keep the possibility open in case the first job is not a perfect fit? Thank you. Hey, Jeff, you can't keep the possibility of getting the other job open, but you can keep the relationship open by being polite. Simply thank them for the job offer, let them know that you've taken something else, and make sure you keep your words or writing short. This way, you can call them up in the future if your other job doesn't work out, but I'm wishing you luck with that one. Hey, some of my best questions, honest to God, come into my Business Unusual Facebook group. I'm going to answer those questions today. We're going to try it rapid fire style, 30 seconds or less. And by the way, if you're interested in business, don't miss my Business Unusual Facebook group. We have the coolest conversations going on there. I'm learning more from people than they're learning from me. Okay, we're ready for rapid fire right now. Quick questions, quick answers. And for a little help today, I'm bringing in my chipmunks. You know why? They talk fast, so they're gonna help me stay on track. When you're given an option, go for profit or not for profit? Well, of course everybody wants to profit, but the question is, when do you get the profit? I had to work for about six years before I saw any profit in my business. Most entrepreneurs see no profit for two to three years. So if you're hoping to get a profit out from the get-go, you'll starve the business. If you can wait to take the profit out until later, you'll help your business. And that's the name of the game. What makes a good subject line in email that buyers would open the email? First of all, you have to realize they're getting hundreds and hundreds of emails a day, everybody trying to sell products. So how do you stand apart from the pack? Number one, use the person's name in the subject line. People are always attracted to their name and make sure your line is specific to their industry. So the more specific, the better. Sally, I was wondering if this would fit into your second street store or something like that. Just make it really specific. I might also say you should check out my episode with Sarah Moray and Curie. It's chock full of things she does in cold calling with emails to buyers and boy does she do it well. I should mention one other thing which I use and it's always if somebody doesn't respond to an email, I change the subject line to simply, did you see this? I have never failed to get a response. But check out my episode with Sarah Moria Curie. She will give you the blueprint to sell product directly to buyers with great tips that she includes in her emails. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.